RadioInfluence.com. As America's zone coach, premier thought leader, and the world's number one coach of champions, Jim Fannin is the go-to person. He has guided the careers of the best pro athletes from 10 sports and business executives from 50 industries. He has coached individuals, families, relationships, and students in simplifying and balancing their lives for more than 40 years. From winning Wimbledon, the World Series, and a gold medal, to losing 68 pounds, saving lost marriages, or overcoming financial ruin, Jim Fannin has been behind the scenes guiding individuals through the intricate process of peak performance. His success tools are not just for the superstar. They're designed to help you reach your full potential as you tap into life's most successful mindset, the zone. And now, please welcome the coach of champions and America's zone coach, Jim Fannin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. I'm Jim Fannin. I've got my awesome sidekick producer, Seth Hurd. Hey, Seth. Hey, what a what a day to be back in the most positive show on the planet. I, I could use a little positivity today. Oh, I'm ready. I, I've got a full tank of positivity. I'm brimming with positivity. And uh, But before we even start, I, I mean... We are in a world of a lot of negativity, Seth, and obviously with uh, the natural disasters of Houston, of uh, Florida, and oh my goodness, I've got so many clients and friends in Puerto Rico, and I'm in communication with them. That's a disaster. And, and then, you know, we got to go to Vegas, and uh, I have clients in Vegas. I've, so many speeches I've given there. That's even unfathomable, the tragedy there. But I have to tell you, the positivity, if there is anything out of these horrible events that's really impacted so many people, kudos and uh, just hugs, prayers to the first responders. When everybody's running away, they're running into the face of danger. Uh, They're putting themselves at risk. And the first responders are really zone performers. These are the real true zoniacs. I mean, forget sports, forget business, uh, EMTs, uh, people that are first on the scene from the fire departments to, uh, to everybody. Uh, my hat is off to you. Kudos. You are really zone performers. So uh, from this show, our prayers, our love, our thoughts are going out to all the victims. Keep your chin up, um, people that have been impacted, and um, let's get off to an awesome show right now. And if I could just footnote that real quick, one thing that if you just pay attention to all the negative headlines, you may not notice is there are a lot of people out there, you know, major players in business and entertainment and sports that just real quietly just write a check to help the victims. And they don't get a lot of credit, but we have seen a lot of philanthropy. We've seen a lot of giving back. We've seen a lot of compassion from people who are in pretty key, uh, you know, key roles across our society. And they just don't get talked about. And I don't think we need to list all, you know, 37,000 of them because there's been so much, uh, so much charity. But don't forget that you see a lot of bad in the headlines, but that also means that there's a lot of good in the response and there's a lot of people helping. You know, the founder, Steve Kubiak of Diamond Resorts, we have the CEO, Mike Flasky on. He just dropped a check for $400,000. Uh, 
to a victim's fund in, in Las Vegas. Kudos to Steve. I've met Steve. Uh, high energy, that's an understatement. <laughs> and, and I just want to make uh, anybody listening that would like to have me do a keynote. I do keynotes around the country. Any keynotes that I do that come from this show in the next month or next two or even this quarter, I'm going to donate 100% to Puerto Rico Relief. Uh, so I, I get a hefty price uh, for the keynotes, but I'm going to, I'm going to, this quarter, any keynote I give, uh, it's going to uh, my friends and uh, uh, clients and everybody that's been impacted by this horrific hurricane. Talk about devastation, but uh, there's a lot of good people and uh, man's at his best when things are at his worst. That's when people really get into the zone. Well, Seth, I, I, I want to talk about the fourth quarter because champions love the fourth quarter. They love it. And um, we're in the fourth quarter of our year uh, for a calendar year, October, November, December, 92 days. Uh, it's a stressful time. It's because there's so much going on. Uh, a lot of people trying to finish their quotas in their business. Uh, a lot of businesses trying to end the fourth quarter. Uh, financially better than ever. And um, the fourth quarter is uh, not just for the calendar, but it's also, uh, you know, for a game, an event, or the last part of a meeting. Yeah. If you're in the if business, is your game, right? With the exception of tourism, or maybe something pretty seasonal like golf, like not a lot of, at least up here in Chicago, there's not a lot of golf courses that have great fourth quarters in, in late November. <laughs> not a lot of family golf outings after Thanksgiving, right? But for the vast majority of us, and, and that also goes to, to parenting, um, you know, to your relationship with your spouse, you better be, or your partner, you better be in the zone going into all the family stuff of, you know, the holiday season of November and December, right? So this is something that, that matters for all of us to finish the year strong. But before we do that, who's in the zone? Let's go right to the fourth quarter. Oh, right uh, the the fourth Kansas City Chiefs, Monday Night Football, undefeated. They're in the zone. Game tied, going into the fourth quarter. Harrison Butker uh, had already missed his first NFL field goal. Uh, the coach, Coach Reed, goes up to him at halftime just to pat him on the back, say, you know, and he knows it's going to be a close game. Uh, the coach knows it may come down to a field goal, which, which it did. And uh, he kind of pats him on the back. And the rookie looks at his coach. He goes, I got this, coach. I got this. And he reported that when he made the game-winning field goal, four seconds on the clock, champions loved the fourth quarter. He said, I wasn't nervous. I was calm. I was focused. I was disciplined. I love that, a discipline. And uh, – Drills it through the uprights. Uh, I think on the ensuing kickoff, there was a defensive touchdown, which almost didn't count a fumble, et cetera. Uh, but the rookie quarterback in the fourth quarter delivered the goods when the money was on the table. That's when the best execute the basics and pick up the money. Now, let me, let me pick your brain a little bit here about that rookie status, right? Because you've worked with everybody from high school all the way up through the most elite athletes in the biggest championship situations in the world. And on paper, it's the same job, right? Like 
football in college is the same job as football in the NFL, but it sure doesn't feel that way. I, I just had a friend of mine who's in wealth management talk about doing a sales pitch in what was called like, a, I think it's called like a hundred million dollar room. It's like, well, these are where our really big deals get done. And on paper, sales is sales. You know, it shouldn't technically. It's, it's not any kind of any different than if I'm selling magazines to raise money for my little league team, door to door, something like that. It's the same process, right? But when you step into that arena, when you step into the Super Bowl, when you step into the NBA, NFL, MLB, Every, everything's magnified. Everything's uh, heightened. Uh, Monday Night Football still huge uh, in America culture. Money's on the table. Uh, Chiefs are undefeated. They've got an opportunity to win. This guy's already choked his first field goal. Uh, I, I really believe uh, that the rookie field goal kicker, uh, Harrison Butker, when he missed that first uh, NFL field goal of his career, uh, I know he dismissed it immediately did not replay it over and over. The miss didn't beat himself up. That's when he made the comment, I got this, coach. I got this. Whoever executes the basics when the money's on the table picks up the money. You'll pick it up every time. Execute the basics. And I think when there's pressure, perceived pressure, real pressure, well, that's when it's tough to execute the basics. But like the first responders, they've been trained to execute the basics in a crisis. They've gone over it and over it and over it to be prepared for those moments of truth. And the process physically and mentally of a first responder, uh, the stakes are obviously much higher when we're talking life and death. But the process physically and mentally is the same as the field goal kicker on Monday Night Football. Execute the basics get your breathing down to six to eight breaths. Most of us in those situations, our our breathing can go past 20 breaths a minute and you're in choke territory, panic, fear, anxiety, worry. Uh, It's not a great place to be, but the best, they love it when the money's on the table and it's typically on the table in the fourth quarter. You know, I feel like no matter how many times we hit the reboot tool on the Jim Fannin show, you always need to be reminded because just coming here today, I've had a couple of obstacles, you know, in in the past couple of weeks, Starbucks, do a little work before, before the gym fan and show go to leave. And fortunately I gave myself enough, enough time, but I was annoyed for a moment because the delivery truck boxed me in like me and nobody else. Come on, dude. (laughs) Like, did you notice there was a a car there? That's a zone breaker score breaker. So I realized it's like, okay, I can whine about this. I can sit in my car and whine or I can do the reboot tool right now and come in with a very positive frame of mind and to do the show. So can we go ahead and, and just, you know, I don't think we can ever overdo this. Just go through the reboot tool together because you need it. Well, it takes less than 90 seconds. Uh, do not try this in your car. Although you can reboot with your eyes open. Uh, it's even more impactful. Close your eyes, unhinge your jaw. Let your tongue kind of float in your mouth. Take five or six deep breaths, long inhale, long exhale, and hold a blank, dark screen in your mind. No future, no past. Be 
just clear everything off the space on the screen in your mind. Clear it. Blank screen. And after a few seconds, when you feel you're ready, you'll raise your chin up above parallel, you'll open your eyes, and you'll send your energy away from you to the task at hand, to the objective, to the challenge, whatever it may be. You know, the, the warrior athlete, the warrior business person, the warrior mom or dad that really is getting their family in his own state before any big event, I have no future, I have no past, my goal is to make the present last, I'm in the now, let's do this thing. Clear your mind, get that warrior creed, win before you even walk into the arena. Champions win first, then they walk into the arena. Everybody else walks in the arena and then tries to figure out, all right, what do, what do I do, where do I go, well, what's going on? So. The reboot tool helps you before an event. You can do it during an event. You can definitely do it after an event when it didn't go your way and the tendency to repay all those negatives. Anytime you have a negative either in your mind or ready to come into your mind, reboot. It's a tool that's been used by every client that I have. I, I'm probably rebooting Seth six, eight times. A day, uh, a challenging day with a lot of meetings and a lot of phone calls, I reboot in between. And if you're in the zone and you're aware of being in the zone, you're now on your way out of the zone if you haven't left it already. So, so what do you do when you're in the zone and you become aware of it? Reboot. So the reboot's a universal tool that can elongate and extend a zone mindset, but it can also get rid of the opposite negative mindset to get you back into a zone mindset. Reboot. It's awesome. Now, I want to talk about the most comedic moment of not in the zone, but, but it was fiction, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, and then let's talk about you know what it like, looks like to get really into the zone, right? So you have to have a little bit of context here. You know, We do the show in Chicago. When most people tune into Saturday Night Live, they don't realize there's an entire minor league system that gets you on Saturday Night Live, which is how this has stayed an iconic piece of culture for 35 plus years, uh, is that they have a grueling minor league, just like Major League Baseball, to really let the cream of the crop rise to the top and, and get the funniest people on the show. And so there's always kind of the, this, this group of people in Chicago who are, are vying to be the next SNL star. And... NBC is putting them through all kinds of different stuff to see if they can handle it, right? So, movie called The Big Stick that was kind of a sleeper hit this summer, really, really fantastic film, has to do a lot with stand-up comedy and that culture of, you know, trying to get on Saturday Night Live, trying to make it big out of this, this hub of talent. And there, I, I won't ruin any part of the plot except that there is a character who, before he goes on stage, repeatedly slaps himself in the face. <laughs> Just smack, smack, smack. Trying to to bring on the zone. And I, I just, I'm sitting there just laughing my head off because I'm like, okay, that is the utter opposite of what the zone is. You cannot smack yourself into the zone. So that would be the opposite of getting into the zone. Well, I will tell you though, however, there is a reason why football players 
bang heads on the sidelines before the game. Okay. It's, it is to get into a state. And the uh, Apache Indians, the, the most ferocious warriors, they would cut themselves, literally cut their forearms with their own knife before they would go into a battle. Because as soon as the blade touched the, the skin, they would go into a zone state. Their eyes would double, triple shutter speed. Their breathing would drop to six to eight. And I, that's a tool wow. I call bleed and begin. And I use that uh, not in the literal sense. I don't have my clients cut themselves. But I like getting into state like that and combine that with some uh, clearing your mind. Uh, you also want to get into that purposeful calm so that cutting themselves that made it purposeful that made it very real bleeding begin how many times have you been playing a sport amateur sport and you get off to a horrible start and you're like you got to be kidding me and then that jump starts you yeah into playing better well we're at our best when things are at its worst and that's what happens uh, when you get off to a bad start and you go, you got to be kidding me. I just had a double bogey and a bogey and a bogey. I'm four over and I've only played three holes. That's a slap in the face. No different than that comedian to wake up and lock you into the zone state. Uh, I hope uh, the athletes I'm coaching don't have to be in that negative state to get into a positive state. But uh, there is some positivity out of that. Quite okay. frankly, there, there is a little bit. It's just funny. I found his own moment in pop culture. I bet there's a lot more out there. There's a lot more out there. And I saw that flick. It's a great flick. And, uh, of course, the star of the show bombed in, in one of his uh, big presentations, did not get in the zone and choked. Yes. So if you want to see the zone in its full regalia, uh, what's the name of the show again? It's called The Big Sick Sleeper Hit of the Summer. You know, there's not as many kind of romantic comedies. Yeah, go rent, go rent that movie. It's an awesome movie. It, it's a lot of fun. It's one of those ones that I think I could recommend as a critic to just about anybody. You're going to to really, really enjoy it. Uh, fairly autobiographical for the, the star. He, he, he tells his own story and does it super well. Well, let's roll up our sleeves. Uh, I'd like for everyone to mentally travel with me through time to New Year's Eve 2017. Here we are. We got a big party going to happen. But before the party, shut your eyes and visualize the greatest fourth quarter that you've ever had in your life. Visualize only a macro goal being accomplished. Maybe it's one thing. Maybe it's two things. Maybe it's three things. Maybe you're proposing to your fiance during this quarter. Maybe you're doing it at Christmas. Whatever it is, visualize the greatest quarter of your life and the greatest year of your life. Go there now. This is B to A. Now, let's start at A. The fourth quarter is here. We're already in the first week. There's 92 days, Seth, in the fourth quarter. 92. This, by far, is the most st stressful quarter. Why? A lot of alcohol, <laughs> Thanksgiving, <laughs> Christmas, a lot of fam carbs. family, a lot of carbs. 
a lot of quotas that need to be met at the end of the year. Uh, There's also preparing for 2018. uh, And it's a short quarter of 92 days. There's only about 60 real work days, 13 weekends. So I've got 10 ways to close out a year. And and let's just kind of walk through them. A couple of tips, a couple of hints on how you can have the greatest quarter of your life. Champions love the first quarter. And we're talking October, November, and December. And and as I said, there's a lot of pitfalls. Holidays, man, that's going to shred all kinds of days uh, from that 92. Well, just as I've been looking at my own business life, I realized that now is really the time to bring it because mentally, most people in their work life are, I mean, you get about two, three days for Thanksgiving and it, it's kind of a slide from there, right? I mean, there's not a lot of new things getting done. Not that there is never, but it's not going to be the most Even active. if you want to get things done and are scheduled to get things done, there's other people involved and they're busy. They're stressed out. You may not even be able to get them on the phone, especially if you're in the sales game, uh, because everybody's taking uh, Thanksgiving vacations or taking Christmas vacations. Um, it is a tough time. You got to buy presents, you know. Uh, there's Hanukkah. That's a whole week. So if you're of the Jewish faith, that's included, and 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 a lot also celebrate the Christmas holidays. There's a lot happening in the fourth quarter in your relationships with your kids, with your business, and then with yourself, uh, there's a tendency to overeat, overdrink. So you got to have some really well-defined goals and then just map this out. Speaking of which, let's walk through these 10 ways to close. I'm excited for them. Set realistic goals. And when I, I talk about goals, I'm talking about big things, macro goals, not you know, I'm getting a haircut on Tuesday. <laughs> you know, who gives a crap about my hair, right? Seth, you, you don't have that challenge. He has no hair. But you got to maybe trim your beard, you know, on Thursday. But, you know, create well-defined, measurable targets. And if you haven't already done this for October, November, December, as soon as this program's over, get out a little pad and sit down and decide what you want. Adjust these goals upward. Adjust them downward. That's on you. But I'd be ambitious, but you got to be realistic. Have realistic goals. Now, that's not just for business. You're more than a businessman. I mean, you got to have goals for how about your relationship? How about you and me, baby? What are we doing? How am I going to rekindle, reignite uh, our relationship when all kinds of chaos is going on? I need to have goals. How about for my kids? I need to have goals, but they need to have goals. You know, stress does run downhill. Uh, How about with your own team that you're managing? Uh, If you're a sales manager or or a manager or or an entrepreneur in a small business, everybody on your team uh, needs to also have fourth quarter goals that they will accomplish. Uh, So it's a really important time. Set realistic goals. Second, what do you need? You got to assess your needs in these 92 days. What do you need to add? What do you need to eliminate in order to have your best fourth quarter? 
uh, I'd make this list quickly. I'd let this happen intuitively. You already know what you need. Bring it to the forefront. What do you need to do? It, it may be yelling at you. You need to lose 20 pounds. Okay. Then I need to do that. The tendency when there's stress, and we're in a world of stress before we hit the fourth quarter. We are. Stress everywhere. Watch the news. Stressful. Now we're going to add a stressful fourth quarter. Um, assess what you need. Uh, it could be anything, but you need to really be prepared, not just with goals. What do I need to do personally? You know, if I could just footnote that, one of the things that I work with businesses on is businesses think that their competition is their competition. That's where they're going to lose, right? And what I usually walk through them is people's distraction is often your competition. And what I mean by that is you have a potential customer or somebody you're going to work with, and they're actually pretty interested in you. And then all of a sudden, somebody knocks on their office door, hey, there's leftover cheesecake. And, and if you're not super clear in how you can help them, you just, your competition's not another business. You're comp, you just lost sale to the cheesecake. I mean, literally, because they get distracted, they never come back. The same thing is true with your own goals. As much as I, you know, sometimes I've thought in my life, well, I can just keep lists in my head, lists on paper, lists on the desk, lists on the refrigerator, lists, lists on the mirror where you're going to see them and say, these are my goals. Those are the goals that get accomplished, right? Well, and, and, and let's distinguish between a to-do list that has a whole bunch of tasks and a really macro big rock yes. list. Uh, they're two different things. You need to put those big macro goals in first or they're not going to go in at all. It, it may only be one thing. I'm going to write three chapters of a book. That may be my major, or I'm going to finish my book by 1231. And then I need to break it down and map it out. I mean, that's how I write a book. I've got timelines and I, you know, goals produce stress, but it's good stress because I'm in control of my timeline. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a few arbitrary that come from somebody else, like I need to have Christmas gifts before the 25th. Okay, <laughs> you know, I didn't create that, and that's stress, but stress is good. You just want to place eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. E-U is a Greek word for good, as in eureka or euphoria. Good stress is stress you place on yourself, and that's... Um, that's the purpose of having well-defined macro goals, especially for the fourth quarter. But you also need to assess what do I need personally to do. The third, you got to welcome the challenge, no different than that rookie field goal kicker that missed his first field goal. Now with four seconds left, money's on the table, brother. Yeah. What are you going to do? He's going to execute the basics. He welcomed that challenge. You're going to be challenged in the fourth quarter. 92 days, 13 weekends, two major holidays, a lot of travel, a lot of presents need to be organized. Families, uncles, people you don't see all the time. You're going to have some interesting conversations. Some of them may be stressful. You need to be ready for the fourth quarter. Welcome the challenge, however. Challenge yourself. Identify what might get in your way. What are the roadblocks? Understand your challenges. 
And then you got to prepare not just for the expected roadblocks. You may get ambushed in the fourth quarter. Be ready for that. And if you do get ambushed, breathe like a baby. Be a palm tree. Get your breathing down to six to eight. You're going to use one of those two relaxation tools in the fourth quarter. Be ready. It's coming. Breathe. Put your hand on your stomach. Let your stomach move your hand as you're having four, six deep inhales, long exhales. That's breathe like a baby. And then the palm tree is, well, it's a pertinent right now. If you got a psychological hurricane in the fourth quarter from family, friends, or, or your company, be a palm tree. Absorb the negativity. Let it pass through you. And then just like a palm tree, you can pop up after the hurricane blown itself out and go, hey, sunshine, how you doing? You got to be a palm tree in a crisis. And, you know, if I could add one note to that, one thing that I have noticed even before we started working together, and especially now, is that a lot of times I'll walk into work with, you know, with a company or an individual and they'll start from kind of a place of panic of, oh my gosh, we've got to get our, you know, our social media is all messed up and our website. And, and I was like, okay, okay, are you going to run out of cash by Friday? I mean, are you going to miss payroll? Oh, no, we're not going to miss payroll or anything like that. We just have a lot to do. I always just start with, oh, well, then we probably don't need to start from a place of panic. I mean, as long as you are around, you're not in a coma, you have free will, you, you can, we can work on this, but it, not when we start from, like, I got to take the panic out of the room. You got to take the panic out of your own life. Seth, if you're talking to yourself into a panic, don't listen. Don't listen to yourself. <laughs> don't listen. Turn your, that's when you reboot, when you start thinking the negatives of what might happen. You know, the fourth quarter is a time when a lot of people in this planet are going to be thinking about what they don't want. Oh, I, I wish... 2017 was over. This is the worst year. I don't want 2017 anymore. It's November. There's time to really close and love the fourth quarter. So you must eliminate thinking about what you don't want as opposed to what you do want. The other tip is deal from strength. Say no to the shiny dime things that maybe. Maybe you're not prepared to do. Deal from your strength. If you're in business, deal from your core values of your business. Uh, focus on your main products or services. That's not the time to be getting into all other new stuff. I, I push that off until you've really dress rehearsed it. Maybe that's something for 2018. Deal from strength. And that's exactly what the kicker did for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's why they're 4-0, the only undefeated team in the NFL. He executed the basics. He's been doing that since junior high, for goodness sakes. Execute the basics, deal from strength, especially in the fourth quarter. Bolster your confidence. you got to sell you on you. We're in negative times, and we're going into the fourth quarter where there's going to be a lot of distractions from other people, and just from the calendar itself. Bolster your optimism. You know, it's not the time to be timid, fearful, shy, 
or doubtful, not the fourth quarter. Good fortune, Seth, it favors the bold. Be bold and uh, act the part. If you want to finish strong, then act like you are strong. Sometimes the toughest sales job is selling you on the awesomeness of you. That's the toughest sales job. You know, it's not selling somebody else something to uh, sell them some widgets or your services. You got to sell you on you. And for the ones listening that are running your household, you're a mom and you're, you're operating the everything in the household or your dad and um, maybe you're sharing it as a couple. You got to deal from strength. You got to act confident, be confident because it's contagious. No different than being negative. That's contagious. One rotten apple spoils the whole barrel. Do not be that rotten apple. And if I, I can just throw in a tool we've mentioned before, but I think you may need right now. You talked about every one of your clients has to call you with a commercial of themselves. And I think you can even buddy up and, and do this with a friend, maybe in the same industry, different industry, coworker, whatever. Can you just walk us through that again? So they have to call you and say, I am an amazing MLB catcher or whatever. Right. Write a 60-second commercial on the awesomeness of you. My name is, and I do this, I'm this, and start dealing from your strengths. Talk about what you do well only. And as if you're giving a commercial on the radio or on the television to all the viewers, and they're going to buy into the awesomeness of you, almost like a politician. Deliver that 60-second. I'd record it on my phone. You can buddy up. Every one of my clients leave that message. I don't answer that one. I know when they're going to call. They leave the message. I listen to it. If they don't blow me away, but you know, by me going, oh, my gosh, that was amazing. You're awesome. If they don't blow me away, I call them up and go, do it over. Not good enough. You can do better than that. You're better than this. So sometimes you got to sell you on the awesomeness of you. That 60-second commercial, I've done it personally. Every 2,500 clients have done this, Seth, and uh, it's powerful. And you might have to do it more than once. You, uh, you know, I did it 30 days in a row once when I needed uh, a lot of money uh, early in my career. And after I got rejected by many, many banks on a loan and, and Finally, on the 30th day of doing 30, uh, selling me on the awesomeness of me, uh, the 30th day, uh, the 42nd bank, absolutely, here's the money. It was amazing. Now, the numbers hadn't changed. I saw 42 banks. 41 said no. What, what was the difference? I, I was the difference. My profit and loss statement, my balance sheet, it didn't change in 30 days. I changed. So sometimes you need to sell you on the awesomeness of you. Next, you got dress rehearse success. Dress rehearse success. Never have a day you haven't already had. Ever take 90 seconds, shut your eyes, and visualize tomorrow and see what will be accomplished. Maybe it's only one or two things. And again, I'm not talking about getting your laundry, you know, back from the, 
you know, going to the cleaners, getting a haircut. I'm not talking about that. Macro items. Every Sunday night, there's tens of thousands of Zoniacs visualizing the greatest week they've ever had. Last September 30th, tens of thousands of Zoniacs visualizing not only the greatest quarter they've ever had, but the greatest month of October, 31 days in October. That's a lot of time. That's a a meaty time of the year where there's not a lot of distractions uh, compared to November with Thanksgiving and obviously Christmas with, uh, uh, in December with uh, New Year's Eve. So dress rehearse for success. Now, next, concentrate. Now you have something to focus on. You know, you, I could tell you to concentrate right now and you, what are you going to do, furrow your brow? And <laughs> you, you have to have a place to send your energy. Concentration is mental and physical energy focused on a task that leads to goals or well-defined goals that take you to that vision into the year vision, that vision you, you created last December for the greatest 2017. Concentrate, focus. And to help your focus, do it in chunks. Focus for 90 minutes, get up, take a break, drink some water, move around, come back and focus again. I would break my entire day into four quarters. I'd have, you know, the first quarter when I get to work, uh, I'm going to take a break. Then my second quarter before lunch, then I'm going to have lunch, not at my desk. I'm going to get up and move, go somewhere else, have lunch. Now I start the third quarter and then definitely close the day strong, close the fourth quarter of the day strong. When you break your day up into uh, quarters, you'll concentrate better, and now you've got something to focus on. Narrow your focus, and uh, especially in the fourth quarter of this year, because the shiny objects of opportunity, Seth, they can blind you. They can blind you. You can have 20-20 vision, and here comes a shiny dime of opportunity. You know, at Jim Fan and Brands, we probably get four, five, six, sometimes seven opportunities a week, little shiny dimes. Hey, Jim, why don't you do this? Hey, Jim, would you like to endorse that? Hey, Jim, can you come over here and do this? And you got to put blinders on. You really do. That shiny dime's really tempting. It's it's seductive. It's calling you. Uh, It's easy to get off focus. But if your goals are well-defined, you have confidence and a deadline timeline on those goals, no will be the new yes. Do you want to do this? No. Uh, do you want to go away for the weekend? No. That's because you've already programmed what you want. Concentrate. Narrow your focus. This is something I, I, I had a meeting with a client last week, and uh, I was pretty adamant about that. He's been traveling around the world, China, all over the world, calling me from everywhere, all hours of the night, very tired, very exhausted. And here we come to the fourth quarter. And I wanted him more than anything to plan his rest periods and put them in first. If you don't put your vacation in first, the weekend off, the Ferris Bueller day off, because you've had a run of 10 
awesome business days. Take a break. Put your breaks in first. If you don't put the rest periods in first, and if you're especially a type A personality, you ain't going to put them in. You'll keep grinding and grinding on fumes. You'll keep grinding. Abraham Lincoln, this is my favorite quote. If I had four hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend two hours sharpening my axe. Abe, you're a stud. That's awesome. You know, I've got to say, that is maybe one of the top three ways that my life has changed from the first half of 2017 to the second half of 2017. Because, you know, as, as much as I got growing up on a farm, there wasn't a lot of lessons about you got to have time off. That's not really a farmer mentality, right? And the listeners, you're listening to a farmer and a hillbilly. <laughs> it's the farmer and the hillbilly show. <laughs> so I'm a different person. Because I get stuff done and I really do get stuff done in half the time. I had never really taken into account how much exhaustion costs me in productivity. And now it's like, hang on my wife, do some fun stuff, watch a great movie, read, whatever. And it'll be there. It'll be there in the morning. I'm an early riser. And a lot of times I was spending, you know, four hours on a 90 minute task because I was shot. And I mean, that, that's my Jim Fan and show pivot point as much as anything else is stop working exhausted. You can't. Well, I, I have to tell you, Seth, that's going to increase your longevity. Uh, it's going to eliminate uh, sickness, illness. Uh, it's going to bolster your immune system. You know, we're, we're a, a country, a nation that is sleep deprived, rest deprived. Uh, it, it, everybody works hard that I've met. And if you don't put in these breaks, um, B-R-E-A-K, uh, and, and maybe literally B-R-A-K-E-S, you got to have these uh, rest moments to replenish the energy in your body, well, mental and physical. I think that once you start becoming a zoniac, you start to look for those signs before they're an emergency, case in point. But the movie I mentioned, my, my wife really wanted to watch The Big Sick, and she didn't want to, to rent it online because she gets annoyed with it if it buffers. So we, we went and rented the physical disc, right? And I, I'm standing there at the counter, and I, I had just gotten back from kind of a whirlwind trip to Michigan. You know, 24 hours, eight hours one way because of Chicago traffic, about six coming back. And the girl checking me out was like, what's, what's your phone number? And I'm standing there going, what is my phone number? <laughs> 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 and hello that, those signs will show up when you start paying attention if you don't just push them off that you need a break yeah it's uh these rest periods i think uh set them up as rewards and um also you know christmas presents it's like what christmas it's not even thanksgiving jim's talking about christmas presents well you know the most cool, the, the, the greatest presents are the ones that, that are customized and the ones that are special. Uh, how many presents have we bought in our life at the last minute? They were, they were good and maybe they cost me a hundred bucks or 200 bucks or whatever, but were they special? I'm not sure how special it is me running around the two days before uh, the 25th of December. <laughs> but yeah, and even for your business, uh, Christmas holiday parties, put them in. Uh, 
fourth quarter meetings. Uh, you should be having those this week, if not last week. How about 2018 meetings, getting ready? And, and that's another one. Prepare for 2018. You'll need to do that sometime in the fourth quarter. Every one of my clients have not only prepared the fourth quarter, but they're in the midst of finalizing preparation for the greatest year ever, 2018. And I, and I think the last thing, especially for business uh, people, is delegate. Don't take it all on yourself. Divide and conquer. And that's between you and your wife of what you need to do around the house. This is all about communication. But it's getting on the same page to prepare for holiday parties and all those things are going to really wreck our calendar. They're fun. They're exciting. It's the holidays. But if you're not prepared, all these parties, all this is just going to stress you out, cause you to end a negative year, and now you're going to go into 18 on a negative mindset. Not a zoniac. No, not here. That's not what we do. I, I'm excited about the fourth quarter. I know champions love it. And um, I got to add one more thing. Make sure you hydrate in the fourth quarter. Not only take breaks, but on a personal level, if you lose 1% of your body water, you will lose 10% of your focus. So, Seth, maybe on that trip, maybe all you needed was some water. Maybe you weren't hydrated. That'll cause your mind to go, what? My phone number? I don't know. Where's my car keys? Yeah. I mean, all of those uh, little mind uh, uh, cramps that we have, sometimes it's only water. And if there's a lot of alcohol in the fourth quarter, maybe more in the fourth quarter than any time consumed at any other time, uh, that's a, that'll dehydrate you. Make sure that you're drinking water, just plain water. Hydrate at least 100 ounces a day. That's going to help replenish you and uh, finish this year off amazing. You know, I think that I, I learned one of my best habits in life, actually at a high school basketball camp, where we were punished if we didn't drink our minimum water because it was hot. And I, they said, you know, you finish those bottles or we're going to punish you. You're, you're going to lose playtime over it. I, I did that on the pro tour. I, I, how crazy is that? I punished my own self. That's even worse. <laughs> I, I would say if I don't win this next game, I'm not drinking water at the changeover. You know, you change sides on odd total games in tennis, and, and I'd sit there and not drink water as a punishment because I played a bad game. I learned that from coaches, but what was I thinking? Are you kidding me? That's probably why I lost a lot of matches. I lost my focus when the money was on the table in the fourth quarter of a tennis match. Drink the water. I believe we do have a guest to hang out with us a little bit this afternoon. Right. Well, this is an interesting guest. Uh, he is Ryan Lidge. He is New York Yankees uh, rookie in the rookie uh, farm system. Uh, he's had an amazing year because in the first quarter of 2017, he was a student at Notre Dame, finishing up a, a film uh, degree, and. Uh, what a year he's had. He's gone from uh, uh, a college student to getting drafted uh, to being in the pros, and now the season's over for him. 
and he's entering the fourth quarter. I'm looking forward to talking to him about the fourth quarter for him and, and what it means now even after the season. What's he doing to get ready for an amazing 2018? Ryan Lidge, uh, you're awesome. This guy this guy's a zoniac. He's a catcher, uh, switch-hitting catcher, and, and he's a great person, great student of, of the game and of the score system. Uh, I'd like to welcome Ryan Lidge, New York Yankees catcher. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Thanks so much for being on the Jim Fannin Show. Wow. You know, no Ryan, problem. I'm excited to be I, on. I, I'm fired up about you being a guest. I, I want to take you back if I can. We're going to talk about champions love the fourth quarter. They close the fourth quarter. We're going to talk about that. But I want to take you back to maybe the fourth quarter of the year, your junior year visualizing being drafted. You did not get drafted. You had an injury. That was a tough year for you. Am I accurate on that? Yeah, that was uh, – well, it was, it's funny because uh, that year um, decided to take a break from Jim Fannin, I guess. <laughs> um, and, uh, I mean, I could tell when I got back with you just how different my mindset was um, – you know, I thought I was doing everything in the right way. And, um, it was definitely a really challenging year. Um, and, uh, you know, not getting drafted was kind of like the, uh, um, I mean, it's every, everything I've ever wanted to do is baseball. Um, obviously film is it's definitely a passion of mine, but I've ever since I can remember, I want to be a, a professional baseball player and uh, not getting drafted was a huge wake up call. And, um, I said, I, I've got to change some things, uh, here. So, uh, yeah, it was really it was a really challenging year, but um, you know, because of it, uh, I am here. I am now uh, where I am. Well, and, and let's go back to the fourth quarter of last year, visualizing being drafted. How how real did you make those visualizations of not only being drafted but literally playing uh, professional baseball? How real were those visualizations in the fourth quarter? of last year before 2017 oh they were they were as real as you could get i mean i would i would get chills down my down my spine when uh we went through now this is a great story we went through and you didn't you didn't remember this either i think um i remember i was in my apartment at school and uh you told me to visualize my first major league game doesn't matter what stadium it's at doesn't matter uh who's pitching but you know, put the uniform on, be at the stadium that your mind takes you to. And we go through the whole thing, you know, the crowd, you know, I get a hit, um, I'm on base, whatnot. And so then after you're like, Oh, tell me I'm interested. Where did you go? And I said, I don't know why, you know, I, I grew up a Cubs fan. So I thought I would be at Wrigley field, but my mind would not take me there. It took me to Yankee stadium. Oh my goodness. And, and, uh, what do you know? A couple months later, the New York Yankees draft me, and I remember that story. And I'm like, I made that as real as I could have possibly made it. Um, and I still tell it; I still get chills because it's just such an uh, kind of an incredible individual experience to kind of visualize something that you just are like, why did I? Why did I see Yankees? I've I've never been a Yankee fan, um, and now all of a sudden I am a Yankee. Um, so yeah, I made those pretty real. Now, you, you've had – that's an amazing story, and that is the power of visualization and how it works. Let, let's look at 
2017. In the first quarter of this year, you were sitting uh, in South Bend as a student uh, getting ready uh, for a Notre Dame senior year season. Um, that was interesting. Was it surreal yeah. that you were going to close out your college career? You know, that was, it, it was surreal. Um, I've been doing, you know, school, just school wise, I've been doing that my whole life. And now um, I knew I wanted to play baseball. Um, so grad school wasn't really in my mind. Um, but uh, gosh, it's like, it's crazy because during your senior year at, at college, and I bet a lot of people who went through college can um, uh, have this to say as well. Um, you just are flooded with memories from your previous years at, at that college. And um, you start to get very nostalgic and a little bit sad just because you know you won't make those kind of memories again once you graduate, once you get that degree. Um, and it, it's definitely – um, like I said, very nostalgic. Um, and then baseball wise, you know, um, it was, it was crazy because now I'm the guy, I'm the older guy. Everyone's got to look up to me. Um, just because of me being the senior on the team who's been playing for four years, been starting for about four years. Um, and, uh, kind of those high expectations into the season, but, uh, um, you know, working everything, being the zodiac that I, that I, I became, um, I, I embraced it and I, I really wanted to take that challenge on of, of being a senior at Notre Dame and finishing stronger than ever academically and stronger than ever uh, athletically. And I really feel that I, I did do that. And there was pressure on you, not only, uh, you know, you, you knew that you needed a, a strong senior year to uh, enhance your chances of being drafted right after the season. Uh, but you met that challenge by executing the basics. Tell me about draft day. Uh, tell me about your excitement. Now, this is something you've been visualizing. Oh, my gosh, Ryan, you've been visualizing <laughs> this a long time, maybe in a Cubbies uniform. But here you are visualizing, uh, and the moment of truth has arrived. You're going to be drafted or you're not. Tell me about that. and. How was that draft day? Yeah, so I guess for people who don't really know, draft, the Major League Baseball draft has three days. So you got the first day is the uh, first and second rounds, I believe, and then the second day is up to the 10th round. And then the third day, for as crazy as uh, the Major League draft is, it's, it's the rest all the way to, I, I believe, 40 rounds. Um, so – on that third day is kind of when I knew I would be drafted and I'm sitting um, in my parents' townhouse because we just sold um, the house I lived in my whole life and our new house is being built. So we kind of had a little uh, uh, transition house, I guess you could call it. Um, and I was sitting there and, you know, I, I told myself, don't look at my phone, don't do that. But I couldn't help it because I also wanted to see my other friends get drafted. That would be really cool. So they finally all got drafted and I put my phone down and I was like, all right, no more. Um, and I, I, I turned on the TV and I turned on, uh, I turned on star Wars and I started watching it. And, uh, my mind was, that was the only thing on my mind. And it was, it was, it was a very peaceful feeling from now that I recall. Um, and then all of a sudden I get a text from my buddy, um, that says, Oh, congrats, man. Like 
really proud of you. Like you deserve it. And I'm like, uh, it, I like, I'm kind of awkward because it, I'm like, Hey man, like I haven't gotten drafted yet. And then as I'm texting him, another text from another friend, another one, another one, another one. And then finally, I finally get this phone call from the Yankee scout and it's a, and I pick up and he says, Ryan, congratulations. You got drafted. And is it's pretty hard to explain something, the feeling of something that you've worked your whole life for. And then it finally coming to fruition. And my mom was right there and she was, she was more emotional than I was, honestly. <laughs> and it might've been because I was, I've been visualizing this moment forever. Um, even when I was a little kid before I could even knew that I was visualizing it, you know, I thought it was just my imagination or whatever. Um, and so at that moment I said, I looked myself in the mirror, um, and I was like, I'm a Yankee. Um, and that was, <laughs> that was the moment when I said, Oh, I got to shave my beard. <laughs> uh, wow. Yes, you do. To but, be a Yankee. Oh, yeah. No facial hair, Seth. You could not. Yeah. I had a pretty nice beard, beard going. about that. Uh, but yeah, that was, and then, you know, I, I called, you know, everyone who, who helped me along the way, you know, guys that I haven't talked to in a while. Um, a lot of them were emotional as well. And that was just like a, that was just a big win for the Ryan Lidge team on that day. And, uh, but we all know it's, that's not where it's going to end. That's just the beginning. So. Well, and then, then, you know, you played, correct me if I'm wrong, you played approximately 50, 55 games in Notre Dame. Then you're drafted. Yep. Uh, and then cold reality hits. I mean, they don't play around. Okay, report here. Uh, here's your ticket. Uh, it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty straight business. You know, there, there, no one's patting you on the back and holding your hand after that first phone call. Uh, and then you wound up where? You went to Tampa, I believe. Correct? Yeah. Literally the next morning, I, when I was on the, the scout, called me later that day so he could let me call uh, family and friends. And he said, all right, I got your plane ticket. Uh, you're flying out at eight 30 tomorrow morning to, t- to Tampa, Florida. And I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> that's Whoa, around. Tomorrow. <laughs> Holy cow. I thought I'd be able to have a couple days to, you know, see my friends and, and kind of get all acclimated and, and throw out my cub stuff and start buying some Yankee stuff. <laughs> and, uh, uh, like I, I guess I couldn't do that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, the very next day I was in Tampa and, um, we did physicals and all that paperwork. And, and then the next day, uh, my second day in Tampa, I signed my contract and that was, I wore an actual, you know, the actual Yankee pinstripes. And, uh, they told me, uh, the next time you'll be wearing this is when you'll be in the bigs. So, uh, that was really, really cool. It's very surreal to be, to sign my name on, on, uh, wow. uh, an actual contract. Um, uh, and then from there on out, they I was in Tampa for... You, you didn't know that you were being an indentured servant to the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, well, and then, and then Ryan, you, you finally made your way up uh, a level, I believe, in Charleston. Am I correct there? Yep. Yeah, I was... Uh, yeah, they kept me in Tampa for a couple of days to kind of get... Because I, I wasn't playing for two and a half weeks um, because... Um, my Notre Dame team got kicked out of the postseason. So I was there just doing, I wasn't playing any games. Obviously I was staying in shape, but, um, so I had to get acclimated into baseball again, into actual playing games. So I was down in Tampa for a couple of days and then they sent me to rookie ball in, in Pulaski, Virginia, which was an eye opener. I've never been to uh, a town like that, which is a very small town for those who don't know in, in the Appalachian mountains. 
Um, and then, yeah, a couple days there, I had I played one game there, and then they sent me to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, which was just a complete 180. That place was um, – I, I won't forget that experience in my first year. Uh, that well, was, and that was uh, really tell her about your batting average in Charleston. This is how you finished the year. Yeah, uh, I finished – from what I believe was around, uh, I hit 380, um, which uh, was pretty cool to do <laughs> in my first pro- professional year. You know, I um, I had some challenges offensively at uh, at Notre Dame. Um, I although um, in the second half of my senior year, I really turned it on, and, and that opened some eyes, um, showed them who I was, and then um, and then they saw who I really was when I hit 380 in Charleston. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, I'm hoping that that also opens some more eyes. Um, and, uh, that was really cool. Uh, that was probably the most in the zone I've ever been, um, playing baseball. Um, and it's, it's funny because when I would say that, I would think that I would be in the zone, you know, I'd be able to go back to college and say, yeah, that was when I was the most in, in the zone was the second half of my senior year. But, uh, no, it was the, uh, the, let the end of my, uh, professional first professional season when I uh, hit pretty well. And that was really cool. You know, yeah, well, um, you, like you, I said. That, that was first of all, for a switch hitter, 380. And for the first time in your life, correct me if I'm wrong here, you got to call all the games. They did not allow you to call the balls and strikes for the pitcher in college. That was all done uh, by the coach, but in professional baseball, it's your responsibility to call the game and and you called a few shutouts. Yeah. So I, I I'll be honest when I first, I thought I was pretty good at, at, at game calling. And, uh, uh, cause when I did it, which was in summer ball, um, not at school when I was playing collegiate summer ball, um, I, I was pretty successful. Like I wasn't, you know, I was pretty good. And so I was really confident going into it, really excited to, to do that again, because, it just adds a whole nother dimension to, to the uh, catcher position. Um, it's almost like you're also managing the game as well. Um, and that's what I really love about it. And um, I, I struggled a little bit in the beginning um, just because now uh, I didn't, not that I didn't realize it, but I just didn't understand some things uh, about uh, pitch calling that the Yankees ended up teaching me. Um, and at the end there, I, 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 I did call my first shutout. Um, I called my first shutout in a seven inning game. So I said, now I got to do it in a nine inning game. Um, and, uh, so I did do it in a nine inning game a couple days later. Um, and me and this, uh, me and this guy on the Yankees kind of had a, a big groove going at the end there and, uh, getting compliments about my pitch calling. And, um, that made me feel really good because that, uh, that just showed how, how much I, how even more I grew in my first season. Um, but that was definitely a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot of fun to call your own pitches and to uh, call that one-two curveball and the guy swings at it, and you're like, yeah, I was right. I, I got him on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and now here we are in the fourth quarter of 2017. What a whirlwind year you've had. But you're a professional athlete now, and uh, you're on your own October, November, December. Uh, you report to spring training. Uh, in the April of, excuse me, in February of 2018. So what are you doing now to close out this amazing year? And when this quarter, October, November, December, when it's over, what will you have accomplished, 
share that with everyone, Ryan. Well, right now, um, my off-season quote-unquote break is over, and I am starting. I've never done it before, but I'm starting to do yoga and some Pilates. Um, I need to work on my flexibility and um, stability. Um, being a catcher, I've, I've got to learn how to catch 150 games um, because I want to. I'm a, I'm a major leaguer, um, and uh, I got to get my legs ready for that. So I'm doing that, um, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, kind of opening my mind to different kind of uh, physical activity. Um, I do it right here in the room I'm talking in. I put it on my TV and uh, go on YouTube, and uh, uh, it's been working. I can feel it. Um, I'm sore the next day, but uh, it's, been, uh, it's been definitely a challenge, but that's something that I'm working on. Um, and then I also am uh, working on my confidence. I want to become a switch hitter who hits for power. Um, while I hit 380 this, this past, uh, this past year, I, I want to improve my power numbers. So, uh, um, that's something I'm working on and that's something that I'm, I'm visualizing every night. Um, and actually I'm going to start visualizing it before I do my yoga and after I do my yoga, um, and seeing and building up that confidence that I am a power hitter. And, uh, um, so that's, that's another thing in this quarter that I'll be working on. And then at in the end of it, um, what I really want to focus on is just spending um, time with my family that I never really got to spend with when I was at school. I maybe had like a month or so with my family, and then I was back at, back at baseball. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing right now and, and really focus on, on continuing to build my relationship with my family and my friends. Well, you know, um, another thing that you're doing, if I can just kind of jump in here, is that you know, yeah. we, we've been talking some time. You're more than a baseball player. You're more oh, yeah. than a New York Yankee. And um, you've got a love of movies and TV series. And it, I think we're in the golden age of TV now. And I know that uh, during this whole year, even though it was a whirlwind year, you were still thinking about writing a script for a TV show. You and I have had a lot of discussions on that. Yep. And, you know, the thing I, I really love about what you're doing, you're not putting all your happy eggs in one New York Yankee basket because you're more than that. You know, you're a great son, a great brother, got a twin brother, got two brothers, uh, and um, you're just so much more uh, than a catcher for the New York Yankees. And I know you're working on some scripts and uh, – uh, of really having a movie career at some point or a TV career. How's yeah, that? And, uh, how, how's that going? That's, uh, and before I get on that, I got to mention, I also have a sister Maggie, just in oh. case she listens. Oh, I don't sorry. want her to get up. Hi Maggie. Maggie. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Hi Maggie. <laughs> um, but you know, once you, once I really realized, I think it was like the end of my sophomore year that I have a passion for, for film and, and television. Um, and once you told me I'm more than a baseball player, um, things got easier for me. I didn't put so much pressure on myself in, in, on, on, the, on the baseball field. And um, especially this past year, I've been, uh, gosh, um, when I'm on a road trip or, or we, we had a flight or something, I would, I would take my computer out and I would just start typing away. Uh, I'd, uh, film ideas, TV show ideas, and it was like the more I typed, the better I got at it, you know? Um, and then I finally started writing a little bit of a script. 
Um, and for me, that was probably the more difficult part because I've never really started, I'd never really written anything before, um, you know, besides maybe like a short story or something that I had to do for class. Um, but that was a lot of fun because it's, it's something new and it's something I've always wanted to do. Um, and I, I would think that it's a lot of fun and something I plan on doing this winter um, in the fourth quarter is write something with a friend. And I do have a friend who I've, I've talked to and, and, and said like, Hey, let's sit down and brainstorm and, and start writing something like, you know, even if you don't want to fully commit to it, let's just do it for fun. Um, kind of get, uh, kind of get that skill hone in on that skill, just as I do with, with baseball. Um, but I am more than a baseball player. I am also a, uh, aspiring filmmaker. Um, and once I realized that, it was just another arena that I could add to my life that was, I could focus on. And, um, gosh, I would be mistaken if I, I would be wrong if I said my freshman year in college, that's all I, all I focused on was baseball. Um, no, I would be right if I said that because that's all I did. <laughs> I would you be wrong what, if I said I had another arena. Ryan, I got to say that obviously it goes uh, it's very obvious that we're, we are in the middle of a very heavy week. Probably you could say a very heavy month, you know, a very heavy quarter as, as a nation. And I got to say that, man, just getting to hang out with you and hear about how you're mastering these arenas. Me as a host, I feel encouraged by this. And I know that, you know, what and, you're and they here, say, and they say that millennials don't have it going on. What do they know? You got it going on. I, I got to tell you, Ryan, I, I've had a lot of clients and you are absolutely at the top of the list of one of the most favorite people I've ever had a chance to, to help and uh, be around. I'm excited. Uh, I can't wait to go to uh, your movie premiere whenever that is. <laughs> and I can't right, wait yeah. to be there. I, I'm going to be there in Yankee Stadium when you have those pinstripes on and it won't be long. I'm really excited for you and close this quarter out strong. I know we're going to see each other quite a bit, uh, but thank you so much for being on the Jim Fannin show. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, absolutely. No problem guys. And I guess I got to say, cause you made me remember um, now that you're saying I'm one of your favorite clients. <laughs> um, when my, my dad actually got me to, uh, to get to you. And I don't know if you remember, but my dad called in to your office and, uh, spoke with, uh, I believe your secretary and was like, yeah, my name's Chris Lidge. Here's my son. He plays baseball at Notre Dame and blah, 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 blah. And there's a huge list of people. And you say, you know what? My intuition feels really, really good about this kid. Um, and, uh, and then I, I really, really luckily, got able was able to well, talk to you, you, on you know the what phone. you're right i remember we had a waiting list a, a large waiting list we know i normally have a waiting list and much to the chagrin of my staff i you know it's my name on the door i bump people up based on my intuition my gut feel of it what's this going to be like what are the challenges and uh is this a person that really will commit and go for it and uh my intuition was well, it was 100% accurate. You, <laughs> you, you are that person, and uh, it, it's been an honor, and it's been a privilege to watch you just evolve into a real true champion. So I, I'm excited. Close out the fourth quarter, Ryan. I know you will. Uh, stay in the zone and, 
and I, I'm uh, from our show here. We're we're seeing you have an amazing 2018. Getting a lot of long balls, and you do know chicks love the long ball. They they, they yeah, you've told me. <laughs> 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 Thanks a lot, Ryan. Stay in the zone. All right, let's go to the mailbag. Ask Jim at jimfannon.com. You get access to world-class coaching. I'm going to throw out a question to get us going because we are at that time of the year where we're at the time of the year where champions are made in baseball, right? And going into this weekend, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson going for the most title defenses in UFC history and maybe the Cubs going for a second World Series ring here. Why is it so hard to repeat? I mean, I don't even have to bring up examples because every single person can think of a team or an individual that was so amazing, won this epic championship, and then just like, whoa, what happened, what happened to you from last year? So why is that so difficult for athletes to get back to that elite level once again? You know, I think it's true for businesses as well. Having your, you know, lions don't hunt when their belly is full. You get a full belly uh, from your success, whether it's in business or it's baseball or sports. Uh, well, your focus is not as narrow and you're also being ambushed by everybody that wants to hop a ride on your success. And how did you do it? What's going on? What are you going to do next year? So, you know, to get to a championship level, uh, 80% of your thoughts are locked in the moment. You know, only maybe 20% is past and future, but after you win, that's completely flipped around 80% is in the past and the future and only 20% in the moment and then you wake up and go you know what's going on I'm not doing well and the Cubs had a lull they had a lot of people going you know what's going on uh, I, I believe that they turned it around at the end they closed the season strong they're still the world champions and they're going into this playoffs uh, with a lot of swag and a lot of confidence. But so are the Indians, so are the Dodgers, uh, so are a lot of teams locked in. Uh, we could have a repeat Cleveland Indians, Chicago Cubs, World Series. I think it's possible. I know the Indians who set the record, tied the record for the greatest of all time, they got a chip on their shoulder. They want that ring badly. And I, I think it comes down to who's going to execute the basics, who's going to throw baseballs to targets, well-defined targets with late-breaking, nasty stuff, and who's going to hit the ball solid with an accelerated bat head when the money's on the table. So whoever's going to execute the basics in this playoff season, well, that's who's going to pick up the money and the ring. And to execute the basics, you stay in the present. Stay in the present and, and just do what you know how to do. And that does take preparation. So you got to ask yourself, what do I need going into this fourth quarter? So right now, let's find out. You're in a car. You're driving up to the window to the Zone Cafe. You can only order, Seth, only five things on the menu, and you have to order one of them. Now, you could have a bucket of self-discipline, kind of the willingness, commitment to stay with tasks, well-defined goals, a vision. I mean, really organized strategy tactics. 
maybe that's what you need. This show's been about that, being organized for the fourth quarter. Maybe that's what you need. But maybe, maybe you need some concentration. Maybe you are organized. Maybe you do have a place to send your energy. But are you really ready to, uh, to focus mental and physical energy on the task at hand? Maybe you need a plate full of concentration. Maybe that's what you need. Or maybe you can order a giant bag of optimism. And inside that bag of optimism, you got confidence, trust, positive self-esteem. Is that what you need? Is that what you need to finish the year strong? But you could also order a tall, tall drink of relaxation. Breathe like a baby, palm tree, jaw unhinged, breathing six days. Maybe that's what you need. Pretty stressful time. We've talked about it. Do you need a giant tall drink of relaxation? Or maybe you need some enjoyment. Have some fun. Put, put a smile, a little skip in your step, some passion, some enthusiasm. You know, really get charged up to have the best quarter of your life. So, Seth, what are you ordering? This week, it's self-discipline, and I want to tell you why. Because in the entrepreneurial game, the weekday isn't, or the work week isn't always the work week, right? So sometimes something happens on a Saturday or a Sunday, you got to be in the zone for. Sometimes it's a Tuesday and a Wednesday, and Thursday is that Ferris Bueller day off, and that's my week. I've got to go into a few days, a couple, you know, a couple days in a row, and then Ferris Bueller it. And so I'm going to grab just a big heap of self-discipline, knowing there's a reward coming up of a day off of whatever I want to do. And I'm excited about it. Well, I already have a big uh, slab of enjoyment on my plate, but I'd like to have a little bit more because I really want to relish what's going to happen. I'm going to be a grandpa. My kid's going to deliver at any moment. Uh, I'm going to be off to Manhattan to to see my... uh, first grandchild and my daughter, obviously first child. Uh, I'm loving it already. So I'm just going to throw another big slab of enjoyment on there because I'm looking forward to it. And uh, who knows? I mean, phones are on airplane mode during the show. (laughs) Maybe something even happened, happened right now. And, and, and and Seth, uh, I just want everyone to realize, don't forget your best friend this quarter. That's you. You got to take care of you. I I do want you to enjoy the fourth quarter journey, and it is a journey of 92 days. And if you're not mentally and physically healthy, then um, let's get some laughter. Let's get some smiles. Let's get some sleep. Let's get some exercise. Let's dance a little bit. Let's sing a little bit. Don't forget to hydrate. But take care of your best friend. You've got to be your own best friend. And that way you're going to have a genuine, authentic, best life possible. Be in the zone, everybody. That's the only place to be. Until next week, have an awesome, awesome day. Awesome week. And I'm ready to have a great fourth quarter. I'm. Let's go get it. Let's do it. Bye, everybody. This is a fabulous sports big quick fix on Radio Influence. I got to be honest with you.
I always felt like if you wanted to kneel or stand, and I have to tell you this, I have some people who are Jehovah Witnesses. They don't get up for the national anthem. They never did. At first, I was kind of weird, and now I know the people. But they don't get up for the national anthem. And this whole thing just, oh, it's a terrible thing. I don't know if it's a terrible thing. You know what? If you don't like it, it's fine. But people, it's become this whole politicized thing that people didn't even realize. And just because it's the flag and all of that, you people need to be around in the 60s. You have no idea what this is about. You know, and I have to tell you, PBS, Ken Burns, it was unbelievable. I think the last one might be this weekend. But it's it's all of the stuff that we saw here every day at 6.30. Every day it's what we saw. But they have everything that went on from the Vietnamese side, too. And I watched this thing. And at some point they had this man who was there and he was, he was in, you know, an army uniform. And I said, that's somebody's father. I mean, that man was dead. And there were other people and you could kind of see from the side. And I thought, that's somebody's kid. And it kind of freaked me out that, yes, at the beginning they say, this is going to be squirrely and it is squirrely. But later on they say, I want this guy's head. And they get his head and they put him there. And I'm thinking, He's somebody's son. He's somebody's brother, even though he was from North Vietnam and all that. The, I can't tell you, if you didn't see it, you need to see it. It's just incredible. You know, I probably, through friends, people that were brothers or friends of mine, I probably could think of maybe nine or ten people who passed away from the Vietnam War. But, you know, they had something like 50,000 of this and well over 200,000 of the North Vietnamese. And for what? We get down to it didn't mean anything at all. And if you watch it and you see what this country was doing and how people like me were in places like Boston. And I mean, and I wasn't even that old, you know, but I took off like crazy. But I went to Boston. I went to New York. I mean, I, I'm don't remember going to Washington. But if there was a protest, I was there anyway. But it's really good. And I keep thinking to myself, sometimes when I watch it, it hurts me inside. Not, I don't know if that's the word I can use, but I feel that way inside. And when they show the protests and they show people beating you up and, and they took over NYU and all those kind of things. And I, th- I just remember being in the protest side of things. And I just, I don't, it just, it seems so weird, even though we're so divided right now. It seems kind of weird. And when you look at the, you look at the NFL, you know what? I think that's part of the thing. If you don't like it, it's all right. And let me just tell you this thing about in honor of America, that crap never happened until Nixon did it sometime in the early 70s, 71, 72. He was gone in 74, right? Bastard. But you know what? I mean. We never had that. It, there was never an honor America until he said, we got to do this right now. And I thought, well, I was out there in the demonstrators and they were calling me a communist and a pinko. And I thought, God, that's the best you can do. That's the best. But little by little, you began to realize that 80% of us, it became 40 and there were 67%, close to 70% that did not want this war anymore. 
and we'll never see that type of war again. The Fabulous Sports Big can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com. 